Chapter 18 of Four Girls at Chautauqua. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Four Girls at Chautauqua by Pansy. Chapter 18 The Silent Witness. That Bible reading! I wish I could make it appear to you as it did to Flossie Shipley. Not that either, because I trust that the sound of the Bible verses is not so utterly new to you as it was to her rather that it might sound to you as it did to the earnest-souled young man who sat beside her, taking in every word with as much eagerness as if some of the verses had not been his dear and long-cherished friends, nay, with more eagerness on that account. Do you know Dr. Parsons of Boston? It was he who conducted that reading, and his theme was, The Coming of the Lord. Let me give you just a few of the groupings as he called them forth from his congregation under the trees, and which he called the Lord's own testimonies to his coming. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Four solemn warnings from the head of the vineyard. They reached to Flossie's very soul, and she had that old well-known thrill of feeling that almost every Christian has some time experienced. If I had only been there, if he had spoken such words to me, I could never, never have forgotten or been neglectful. If I could only have heard him speak, and as if in answer to this longing cry, Dr. Parsons himself read the next solemn sentence, read it in such a way that it almost seemed as if this might be the sacred garden, and himself standing among the olive trees, speaking even to her. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Here, then, was her direction from his own lips. Though centuries had passed since he spoke them, they echoed down to her. She was not overwhelmed. She was not crushed by the new and solemn sense of her calling that flowed over her. The Lord himself was there in every deed, and whispered in her ear, It is I, be not afraid. And her heart responded solemnly, I, Lord, I feel thy presence. I have been sleeping, but I am awake, and from henceforth I will watch. That Bible reading was like a whole week of theological study to Flossie. It was not that she learned simply about the blessed assurance, the weight of testimony amounting to an absolute certainty, concerning the coming of the Lord. But there were so many truths growing out from that, so many incentives to be up and doing. For she found before the reading closed that one must not only watch, but in the watching work. And there were so many reasons why she should, and so many hints as to the way and the time. Then there was, also, the most blessed discovery that the Bible was not a book to treat like an arithmetic, that one must read through the book of Genesis, then go on to Exodus, a chapter today, two chapters tomorrow, and perhaps some days, when one was not in too great a hurry and could read very fast, take a half a dozen chapters, and so get through it. But she learned that there were little connecting links of sweetness all the way through the book, that she had a right to look over in Revelation for an explanation of something that was stated in Deuteronomy. She did not learn all this, either, at this one time. But she got a vivid hint of it, strong enough to keep her hunting and pulling at the lovely golden thread of the Bible for long years to come.
There were special points about the closing verses that throbbed in her heart, and awakened purposes that never slept again. It was the gentleman who sat beside her who read the solemn words of the verse. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? His voice was very earnest, and his face had an eager look of solemn joy. From it she felt the truth that while the words which he had been reading were full of solemnity, and while he felt the sense of responsibility, there was also that in them which filled his heart with great joy, for when that time should come, would he not be with his Lord? Again, when a little later he gave the closing verses of this wonderful lesson, reading them from her Bible, because in the dimness the print was larger and clearer than his own, they made the conclusion of the whole matter. Ye are the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He marked it with his pencil as he finished reading, and as he returned the book to her keeping, he said with a smile, We will, shall we not? And it felt to Flossie like a covenant, witnessed by the Lord himself. But Dr. Parsons, you know, knew nothing of all this. Chautauqua was the place for sowing the seed. They could only hope that the Lord of the vineyard was looking on and watching over the coming harvest. It was not for their eyes to see the fruits. Sunday morning at Chautauqua. None of all the many hundreds who spent the day within the shadow of that sweet and leafy place have surely forgotten how the quaint and quiet beauty of the place and its surroundings fell upon them. They know just how the birds sang among those tall old trees. They know just how still and blue and clear the lake looked as they caught glimpses of it through the quivering green of myriad leaves. They knew just how clearly the Chautauqua bells cut the air and called to the worship. It needs not even these few words to recall the place and its beauty to the hearts of those who worshipped there that day. And for you who did not see it nor feel its power, there is no use to try to describe Chautauqua. Only this, it is a place to love and look back to with a sort of sweet and tender longing all your lives. Our girls felt somewhat of the sacredness of the place. At least they went around with a more decided feeling that it was Sunday than they had ever realized before. Three of them did. To Flossie this day was like the revelation of a new heaven and a new earth, her first Sunday in Christ. There was no sunshine, neither was there rain, just a hush of all things, and sweetness everywhere. After breakfast, Ruth and Marion lolled on their cots and studied the program, while the other two made hasty toilets and announced their intention of going to Sunday school. What in the name of sense takes you? queried Marion, rising on one elbow, the better to view this strange phenomena. Why, I have a mission, Eurie said. About three thousand people have been talking all this week about teaching a few Bible verses to some children today, and I am going to find out what they are, and what is so wonderful about them. Besides, I was taken for a being named Miss Ryder, and on inquiry I find her to be what they call an infant class teacher, so I am going to hunt her up and see if we look alike and our affinities. 
Flossy chose to make no answer at all, and presently the two departed together to attend their first Sabbath school since they were known as children. As they passed a certain tent, Yuri's ready ears gained information from other passers-by. This is where the little children are. Miss Ryder is going to teach them. Yuri halted. I'm going in here, she said decidedly to Flossy. That is the very lady I am in search of. And seeing Flossy hesitate, she added, Oh, you may go on. It is just as well to divide our forces. We may each have some wonderful adventure. You go your way, and I will go mine, and we'll see what will come of it. The tent was full, apparently, but that spirit which was rife at Chautauqua, and which prompted everybody to try to look out a little for the comfort of everybody else, made a seat full of ladies crowd a little and make room for her. Rows and rows of little people with smiling faces and shining eyes. It was a pretty sight. Yuri gave eager attention to the lady who was talking to them, and laughed a little to herself over the dissimilarity of their appearance. Hair and eyes and height and everything else totally unlike me, she said. She is older than I, too, ever so much. She doesn't look as I thought Miss Ryder would. But what she was saying proved to be very interesting, not only to the little people, but to Yuri. She listened eagerly. It was important to discover what had been so stirring the Sunday school world all the week. She was not left in doubt. The story was plainly, clearly, fascinatingly told. It was that tender one of the sick man so long waiting, waiting to be helped into the pool. Disappointed year after year, until one blessed day Jesus came that way, and asked one simple question, and received an eager answer, and gave one brief command, and lo, the work was done. The long, long years of pain and trial were over. Do you think this seemed like a wonderful story to Yuri? Do you think her cheeks glowed with joy over the thought of the great love and the great power of Jesus? Alas, alas, to her there was no beauty in him. This simple tender story did not move her as the commonplace account of a common sickness and common recovery given in a village paper would have done. The very most that she thought of it was this. That Miss Ryder has a good deal of dramatic power. How well she tells the story. But dear me, how stupid it must be. What is the use of taking so much trouble for these little midgets? They don't understand the story, and of what use would it be to them if they did? something that happened to somebody hundreds of years ago. But now her attention was arrested by the sound of a very loud whisper just behind her, given in a childish voice. Miss Ryder, Miss Ryder, the child was saying, and emphasizing her whisper by a pull at a lady's dress. Yuri turned quickly. The dress belonged to a young, fair girl, with fresh glowing face and large bright eyes, that shone now with feeling as she listened eagerly to the story and to the comments of the children concerning it. Then she in turn whispered to the lady nearest her, Is it Miss Ryder who is teaching? No, it is Mrs. Clark of Newark. That is Miss Ryder leaning against a post. Then Yuri looked back to her. She is no older than I, she murmured. Indeed not so old, I should think. Her hair must be exactly the color of mine, and we are about the same height. I wonder if we do look in the least alike. What do I care? Yet still she looked. The bright face fascinated her. The little child had won the lady's attention, 
and the lips and eyes, and indeed the whole face, were vivid with animation as she bent low and answered some troubled question, appealing to the diagram on the board, and making clear her answer by rapid gestures with her fingers. The lady beside Yuri volunteered some more information. Miss Ryder was to have taught this class, I heard. I wonder why she didn't. I don't know, Yuri answered briefly. Then she looked back at her again. She is jealous, she said to herself. She was to have taught this class this morning, and by some blundering she was left out, and she is disgusted. She will say that such teaching as this amounts to nothing. She could have done it five times as well. Or, if she doesn't say that last, she will think it and act it. I have no doubt these rival teachers cordially hate each other like politicians. Nevertheless, that fresh young face with its glow of feeling fascinated her. She kept looking at her. She gave no more attention to the lesson. What was it, after all, but an old story that had nothing to do with her? The fact that it was taken from the Bible was proof enough of that. But she watched Miss Ryder. The session closed, and that lady pressed forward to assist in giving out papers. The crowd pushed the willing Yuri nearer to her, so near that she could catch the sentence that she was eagerly saying to the lady near her. "'Isn't Mrs. Clark delightful? It was such a beautiful lesson this morning. I think it is such a treat and such a privilege to be allowed to listen to her. Yes, darling,' this last to another little one claiming a word, of course Jesus can hear you now, just as well as though he stood here. He often says to people, Wilt thou be made whole? He has said so to you this morning. Yuri turned away quickly. She had had her lesson. It wasn't from the Bible, nor yet did she find it in those hundred little faces so eager to know the story in all its details. It was just in that young face not so old as hers, so bright, so strong, so thoroughly alert, and so thoroughly enlisted in this matter. The vivid contrast between that life and hers struck Yuri with the force of a new revelation. She went to the general service under the trees. She heard a sermon from Dr. Pierce, so full of power and eloquence that to many who heard it, there came new resolves, new purposes, new plans. I beg her pardon, she did not listen. She simply occupied a seat and looked as though she was a listener but the truth was, she had not learned yet to listen to sermons. The very fact that it was a sermon made it clear to her mind that there was to be nothing in it for her. This had been her education. In reality, during that hour of worship, she was engaged in watching the changeful play of expression on Miss Ryder's face, as her eyes brightened and glowed with enthusiasm, or trembled with tears, according as the preacher's words roused or subdued her. Well, Yuri had her lesson. It was not from the Bible, it was not from the preacher's lips except incidentally, but it was from a living epistle. Ye shall be witnesses of me, was the promise of Christ in the long ago, just before the cloud received him out of sight. Is not that promise verified to us often and often when we know it not? Miss Ryder had no means of knowing, as she sat a listener that Sabbath morning, that she was witnessing for Christ but she was just as surely speaking for him as though she had stood up amid that throng and said, I love Jesus. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And the poet has said, They also serve who only stand and wait. Blessed are those in whom the waiting and the service go together.
End of chapter 18. Recording by Tricia G.